Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. up everybody welcome back to the never made varsity podcast my name's maverick i don't sound like i'm speaking out of a, a turtle beach headset anymore and you can find me at heartbreak <laughs> underscore underscore kid oh wait turtle beaches are amazing i love turtle beaches they are fun they are they are good they're pretty high quality they are good. just not for doing podcasts not, not for doing podcasts but for general <laughs> gaming hey everybody it's aaron i am finally back at school I am now the campus rep of the Never Made Varsity podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman. All one word, according to you guys last week. <laughs> uh, my name is Colby. Uh, you yeah. can find me on Twitter at Colby Complaints. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Roll call. That was. The, I hate this. That was. I hate this. So Aaron, much. that is genuinely the funniest thing you've said on this podcast, <laughs> like since we started this. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all know my Twitter. I'm done. Sha sha shabuya roll call. <laughs> uh, my name is Tired from Long Days, and you can find me on Twitter at d underscore river underscore o. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I miss late night potting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, we're about to get sad, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we're trying to keep things uplifted until we get into serious stuff. Yeah, now that I'm, th- I'm looking at this this whole rundown, it's, it's going to get a little heavy today. It's going to be it's gonna be sad boy hours. Sad boy hours. What time is it? Like 9, 9.30? 9.30. p.m. It's officially sad boy hours. <laughs> On the bright side, we are finally, I think, out of the dark days of summer, and we finally have some more sports topics to talk about. We're getting yeah, back in the football season. The proverbial sun has come out with preseason. The NCAA football. is at it again. Who knows? We got a lot to talk about. No more, no more Colby rambling about the three movies he saw that week. <laughs> <laughs> no more cringing for content. Hey, we have quality content. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. All right. So, what do you want to start with? Um, let's get into college. I football. mean, Ohio State's the first thing on there. Yeah, so. let's go ahead and talk about it. Aaron, you want to take this one? Uh, yeah, sure. So, uh, right now there is an investigation going on at Ohio State regarding Coach Urban Meyer and his handling of the Zach Smith incident. So Zach Smith, who is the former wide receivers coach at Ohio State, he 
uh, is an alleged, well, not alleged, but the incidents are kind of fuzzy, uh, abusive relationship member. And he was fired about a month ago, I believe. And then at the Big Ten Media Day, someone asked Urban if he knew of the incidents regarding Courtney Smith, the wife, the ex-wife, and Zach Smith, the former coach. And there was a certain incident, I believe, in 2015 that they were referencing. And Urban said he had no knowledge of the incident, and he indeed did know. And so they are investigating if he properly reported the incidents and handled them properly. And there's a lot of messy details, but basically the crux of the matter is if he did report it properly, he likely won't get fired. If he did not report it properly, he will get fired. You I don't think? think there's any I don't think there's any in between. Because if I they suspend he's... him, then they're admitting that he's partially guilty. But how do you not there's no partial guilt in this situation from my perspective. I think you're either innocent or you're guilty. I think he's gone. Like I mean, that's the end of it. Personally, I think that they kind of, from a PR perspective, I agree. But we all know that Urban Meyer has a track record of win at all costs, no matter what. And with a blue blood school like Ohio State, especially with a coach as good as Urban Meyer, they're going to be very reluctant to fire him. Granted, the past two all-time great coaches that they've had. Jim Tressel and Woody Hayes, they both ended in firing or forced resignations. But I mean, Jim Tressel got fired over some Jim Tressel got fired over some tattoos, and this is a little bit more extreme than that. I, Just a little. That's true, I, but, but also my, less than a year ago, Tom Izzo and Mike D'Antoni did not get fired even though they enabled systematic sexual assault. Yeah, but that's not this... What I mean by Jim Tressler, that's Ohio State. That's where this is happening. So, yeah, we, we've seen how Michigan State handles their affairs over there, but I feel like Ohio State, kind of to their credit, is a little bit more stringent on, um, on moral stuff like this. I think that Bomani Jones brought up a good point where... He said that you fire someone where they can't effectively do their job to a standard to what you want. So can Urban Meyer, if he is not fired after this year, can he effectively still go out and recruit and still bring in the quality of players that he's been bringing in the past however many years he's been at Ohio State? And I don't think that he'll be able to do that after all of this, even if... For if somehow they prove that he didn't know any of this, I'm not sure how he can look a player's mom in the face and tell them that they'll take care of their child and them, I don't know, believe him. That's a fair point. I mean, you're right. It comes down to whether or not people trust Urban. If, if he's proven to not have done anything wrong. Obviously, if he's proven to have not re- properly reported it, then he deserves to get fired. He deserves to not coach another game. But I don't know how much it's going to affect him on the recruiting trail because 
at the end of the day, the goal for the guys that Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, USC, Texas are going for are guys who their goal is to become an NFL player. And so they just want to go where they can best achieve that goal. And Urban Meyer is very clearly one of the best at helping players to become successful NFL stars, players. And do I think that makes him... Do I think that should make him more likely to not get fired? No, but the reality of the situation is that that likely plays an impact. That's fair. If I was I the athletic know. director, I would need very strong evidence to not fire Urban Meyer because there have been a lot of things that have come out that are not looking good in his favor. Is, is it confirmed that his wife knew? Yes. I believe so. Because I and believe it's, it's they, very, the wives spoke to each other over the matter. Yeah, the I'm wives did speak to each other. There are text messages confirming that from McMurphy. And allegedly, Urban and Shelley, who is his wife, did quote-unquote therapy for Zach and, um, I forget her name now, Zach Cody. Smith, Zach Smith and wife ex-wife in 2009 when they were still at Florida. And so I saw someone saying that technically they would have doctor patient or patient therapist confidentiality. But I thought that at least in therapy cases, that doesn't apply when there's a danger of when the patient is in danger. So there are a lot of moving pieces. There are a lot of confusing pieces. And I'm just shocked that they had a 14-day window for the investigation because I think it's going to take a very long time to digest all of this unless well, we they thought, hope that it just blows over. But when we recorded last week, we thought this was going to be over by now because I think when we recorded on Sunday, they said it was going to try and be over by Wednesday. They gave a 14-day window. I feel like it was a week and a half ago-ish. It's supposed to be over by Saturday or something. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm just remembering that wrong. But at the end of the day, I will be shocked if both Urban Meyer and Gene Smith have their jobs at the end of the week. Because either Urban didn't report it and he needs to get fired or Gene Smith or Urban reported it to Gene Smith, and Gene Smith didn't properly escalate it, and he deserves to be fired. He's the athletic director at Ohio State. I, because this is not even just a morality issue. It's also a Title IX issue, and it's also if Urban didn't report it the way he should have or if Gene Smith didn't escalate it the way he should have, they're in violation just of their contracts as university employees. It's not even an NCAA violation. So just by that, I, they would have to be fired with cause. I just don't know if the Paterno defense holds up anymore. The I I, I okay again. I'm just gonna hello. This podcast is Colby quoting Bomani, <laughs> um, but he he brought up the point that he Urban Meyer brought this up to his quote unquote superior who would be the athletic director, but are we the people really supposed to believe that 
Urban Meyer is below anybody except the president of that university. I completely agree. And very clearly, the standards for maintaining employment are not the same as the standards for... They're lower standards than what you need to be proven innocent in court. So, like, legally, if he reported it, he's in the clear. But they can still, and in my opinion, probably should, if it's the way that it's looking, fire him. Because even if he did report it, there's still more he could have done. He let that Zach Smith stay on his staff through two contract extensions after the alleged incident. Either way, if they fire him, they're going to have to fire him for cause. Yes, because, because if not, I'm they're not... going to have to pay him like $50 million. And I think that's part of it also right. is that's why it's a 14-day investigation because they need to see if there's cause. I have a, uh, I have a question. I have a hypothetical question for y'all. Yeah. Shoot. If the indoor facility at Carolina is not done and Fedora opts out of his contract and Urban Meyer gets fired, would you want Urban Meyer hired at Carolina? How bad do you want to win? (laughs) Compromise your morality for the dubs. No. Probably not. He's... Urban Meyer's always been re- pretty slimy to me. Yeah, especially that's, that's considering big, the players that he's coached before. That's a big part of the issue is that he his first couple of years at Ohio State he ran a very tight ship because of what happened at Florida. But the past couple of years at Ohio State and his whole time at Florida, he had a very shady program. He recruited murderers, literal murderers at Florida. <laughs> literal murder. That's, That's not, not I, an exaggeration. I, I wish that was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and so with his track record, just from an employment perspective, there needs to be a lot to prove his innocence. This doesn't look good no matter how you, how you slice it. Yeah. No. No, it doesn't. That was a good conversation. Uh... Moving on to happier news, if you want to look at it that way. Uh, the NCAA made an announcement. Mav, you want to take this one? Yeah, the NCAA is on a roll this summer. Uh, so earlier on, uh, a couple months ago, we we kind of began things after all these the the FBI probes into college programs about paying athletes uh, using shoe deals in order to lure college players to schools, agents. Uh, paying for meals of college athletes and uh, high school players alike in several meetings. And so the NCAA has made an attempt to answer some of these problems. Uh, And some of the following are new rule changes in the NCAA. I believe this is mainly for basketball. Uh, So first and foremost, uh, USA Basketball will now basically rate uh, high school players and those that are considered elite will be allowed to hire an agent prior to attending college and elite college players will also be able to hire an agent now uh, without losing their def- eligibility. Did they ever define elite? Like did, or did they just literally put elite in quotation I'm marks? I'm pretty sure. That's well, also so part of the issue. They, this is where they threw USA basketball under the bus because I believe they said it's if you qualify for the 
15U, 16U, or 17U Team USA team, but they didn't consult with Team USA basketball before yeah. saying that. Yeah, they we can talk like, about that later. Yeah, where this a, a lot now. of this seems to be arbitrary, and they didn't really consult USA basketball, the NBA, or really any other institution regarding or the JBA. Uh, these rules. Uh, and it also goes to like high school recruits that aren't American. Yeah, that's the other uh, big issue. Is like R.J. Barrett would get screwed over by this because yes. he is from Canada. He's Canadian. Yeah, he's Canadian. But yeah, but they, I think Mav, you mentioned this that you can also sign with an agent while you're in school, right? Yes, college players can also sign without losing their eligibility. Yeah, which I thought should have been a thing, or only certain, only those elite I, ones. I think it's also considered elite. So I would say people who like who potential to be invited to the combine. But then I don't know. I it's just so it, arbitrary. It's I like the way so. I look at it, if you if an agent wants you, you're probably elite. That's fair. If uh, an agent that they sign off on, which is probably the same um agents the same agents that are able to do it for the NBA since they have to go through an approval process, yeah. I would imagine they use the same list. If they want you, you're probably an elite yeah. prospect. No, it's so. a good point. I mean, These also, agents do I'm have confused. to undergo like an NCAA certification process uh, and be up to date on the rules and regulations. And it's very regulated. I'm confused on how the payment of those agents goes because a lot of the elite college basketball players are not from areas, are not from well-off families. Yeah, I'm wondering and if so it's like a, it's, like, it's more like an NCAA like service. Are they with the agents, or? Yeah, maybe. I imagine the NCAA pays them. They're okay. basically branches uh, yeah. from the NCAA they're like, itself. They're subcontractors. Yes. But also, going forward, like the agents, uh, in a, in w- probably addressed one of the biggest things that came out in the pro, like agents can now afford uh, general costs. Uh, like that, meals. Yeah, like meals, transportation that, fees. Like uh, the stuff that half the people, like in that that quote-unquote probe, like that FBI probe that like named a bunch of college players that some were actually relevant, like with the Dennis Smith Jr., like what was it, like $72,000? Like that kind of thing is irrelevant. But like when you see like Bryce Johnson or Tony Bradley got a pizza, like <laughs> – A whole pizza. I bet it was supreme pizza. too. Yeah. That could have been a really good pizza. Also, sidebar note, not – Related at all, but Medici finally opened. Oh, the Lord. Yo, it looks actually very nice inside. I went there the other day. It was pretty mediocre. But it's all about that ambiance. <laughs> all right. It's Anyways, all about back the ambiance. Yeah. Some, some other things uh, that were notable in this. So now it's finally like written that undrafted players and recruits can return to their institutions. Was that not I, like... Is that not just common sense? Like, why is, was that never a rule? But yeah. it's also, there are some limitations to it, which is good. You have to be invited to the combine to be eligible to return to school in that yeah. case. Why does it matter? Because I think what they're saying is, like, if you're not invited to the combine, you're not going to get drafted, so what's the point of leaving? Yeah. What's the or point what's of the keeping point of them staying out, out? What's the point of not letting them back in, then? That's fair. But I think what they're saying yeah. is, like, why just be in a yatus? <laughs> Sorry. 
Being a what? I love it when you tell jokes just for me. A yatus. <laughs> but something I was thinking about with this me. point, though, uh, is it going to, I guess, like, it may, you might have answered it, like, is going to be, you have to be invited to the Combine in order to, or not invited to the Combine to return. But could it potentially end up being something like baseball where you could even still get drafted, but if you get drafted in, say, like, the second round where a contract is not guaranteed, you would also be able to renege your draft rights with the team that drafted you and still return to school. I think the NBA would do that if they had more than two rounds. Yeah. Yeah, that's the re- that's part of the reason why baseball does it is they have 40 rounds. So losing one draft pick, obviously losing a first round pick really sucks, but losing a 38th round pick doesn't matter. And it's also that you don't declare for the draft in baseball. It's just they draft. Also, would uh, the fa- like would people withdrawing after getting drafted not mess up recruiting for college coaches? Like, yeah, screw them. But <laughs> <laughs> technically, no. I do, I could very much see that. Actually, that's a very good point. Like that because kind of that they could already roster. have that position filled, like, and they're like, puts, you know what? Puts, I need to raise my stock so that I can be a first round talent. It puts the roster in limbo for so long, and it's like you can't operate under that. That's a very good point. And on top of that, I wish that NBA free agency was before the draft. It just makes so much more sense to do free agency before the draft instead of like three weeks after. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. I never thought about that before. And then also – well, go ahead. It would make the draft so much more interesting because then if you if you have a good free agent signing, then you can draft for what you need at that point. Yeah, rather than rather drafting than still... and trying to bank on what you want in free agency. As soon as you draft, hmm. is, that, this is that's the thing with the draft. As soon as you pick somebody, the 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 this, the value of that draft pick immediately like plummets because then you lose the. Like whoever you pick might not be isn't a great fit for certain teams, so like the actual draft pick, like the number two draft pick, just the draft pick is worth a lot. But as soon as you pick somebody with that draft pick, it's worth like little to like almost nothing. <laughs> it's like buying cars; it's immediate depreciation. Exactly. As soon as you drive it off the lot, it's 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 the value is depreciating. So yeah. I don't know, but that was it, a it's quick interesting stuff. One last thing I thought that was very important about uh, this these new rule changes is that now uh, first and foremost chancellors and uh, athletic presidents of the athletics will now be held personally responsible like in investigations and the NCAA has now given themselves uh, de facto Sabina power. And so that uh, all like high standing officials in the athletics department and even the chancellor will have to be cooperative in any investigations that they conduct. Interesting. So it can be seen as a little bit of a power grab, but they're uh, they're at least I think they're at least trying to attempt to fix some of these problems. But uh, I think some other people would also argue they're once again shoving, trying to shove things under the rug and not address some of the real problems addressing college athletics. Well, I mean, I'm- they're obviously kind of peeved after the whole UNC academic scandal turned out. Yeah, but this wouldn't have helped them at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I'm think generally it would have just made against... it go quicker. Honestly. Yeah. 
if anything. So it would have hurt them because that was our punishment was drawing it was, out for yeah, eight million the, years. Yeah. I'm generally against unilateral power like that. Like I think the the worst offender in American sports at least is the NFL. Um having that type of just power concentrated in one organization. Um so I don't know how I feel about that. Other than that, I think all these changes are a step in the right direction. There are still other changes I'd like to see made. I'd like to see made to the NCAA model, but I think this is cool. I, I do I appreciate some of these things. Like giving recruits a chance to go back to school, like I still think that's very important. Like that's I think a long overdue rule change to college basketball. Um I think there's still some good in these rule changes, but I still think there's a lot left to do. I just think this is the NCAA's like decade, like they're they're like every ten years they have to do something like, "Hey, we're not totally unreasonable," and then Mark Emmert's gonna go back into his weird cave and like, you know, be like, "Like money, 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 money," like like twisting his hands all evil, like, yeah. <laughs> and just, not do anything. The big thing that confused me though is that they just. It just seems like they didn't consult the NBA, USA Basketball, or anybody when it came to making these decisions. Because, yeah, it's uh, pretty odd. Like, they're basically implying that the NBA is going to make rule changes, even though they've made no explicit, like, uh, remarks that they will. Like, USA Basketball is just given this responsibility now that it's on them. And they, it sounds like they didn't even ask for it or know that it was happening. Like, well, Adam Silver already said that he's trying to get Braun to play with his son, so, you know. We'll see how it goes. Confirmed. <laughs> um, so, going back to more sad boy hours. Yeah. Was that our, li- um, was that our lighter section of the... Yes. That was our, <laughs> yes, it was. That was our comic relief section. <laughs> um, now it's time to be sad again so i think it was august 11th it was reported at least by espn that or no that's not when the player passed away that the player passed away on may 29th right i can't confirm because i don't have access to things I don't have from what I'm reading. Yes. May 29th, um, offensive lineman from Maryland, Jordan McNair, um, passed away from extreme exhaustion. Um, he had passed out and started seizing, um, during while running a set of multiple 110 yard sprints, um, and was found to have a, a body temperature of 106 degrees. Um, before he died. Um, this is all rep- according to Heather Dinich at ESPN. Um, since then, the head coach has been suspended, as well as head coach DJ Durkin has been suspended from the University of Maryland. There's been an expose on the practices uh, of the coaching staff at Maryland, and some other lower-ranking coaches have also been have also been fired. So... That is where we are left at this point with the University of Maryland football team. I think that this is a lot more cut and dry than the Urban Meyer situation. 
Oh, without, oh yeah. Like, without a doubt. There's no denying that Maryland needs to clean house. Well, because, like, not only did this... Like, the, AD down. Yeah, yes, like, like, exactly. They literally killed a player. They yeah, ran and, him and, literally into the ground. Yeah, they... Uh, like, talking about... I think in that expose, they were talking about how there's just a whole culture of fear, like, in the Maryland locker room, or the American Maryland staff. Um, and when you have a D lineman and you're making him run 10, 110 yard sprints and he's obviously tired. Like this is accounts from other players that he looked like he was unwell. And apparently I believe he passed out on one side of the field and a coach reportedly yelled, drag his butt to the other side of the field. Like they were literally teammates dragging him and I believe it was reported that they didn't even call an ambulance until an hour. Like, there's an unaccounted for hour after he... Yeah, it's like, I think it was 45 minutes. He passed out at, like, late in the 4 o'clock p.m. hour and... Or early in the 4 o'clock p.m. hour, and there wasn't an ambulance call until after 5. This is, like... That's unacceptable. It's, like, at the levels of messed up as... I don't remember if you guys – I don't know if you guys remember, but the kid at Penn State who passed out the night that he was initiated in – or the, who died the night he was initiated into his fraternity last year yes. or the year before. Yeah. Like, it's on that level of messed up. Like, how do you have such disdain for your own players that you don't even call an ambulance when he is seizing on the ground? Like, was there no medical staff there? Like, was there no – like I, I don't. It's just the level of ineptitude from the top down from Maryland is just unbelievable. Like the fact that a player is dead because of this is unbelievable in 2018. Like really, it just, it just makes me. It's frustrating. And this is something that has become more common in recent years. Uh, you look at the University of Oregon. There have been accounts of players uh, being hospitalized over workouts, like being worked out too hard. Uh, I believe there was a in last in like the winter time. There's a, a player from UMaine that was also hospitalized for the similar reasons, uh, and I think you know, I was we were speaking about this in one of my sport management classes. This is becoming a bigger problem, or at least it's getting more coverage because there are more and more players being hospitalized due to hazardous practice conditions, like being overworked, uh, not being able to take breaks, get water, uh, and recuperate. And we, there, whenever we talk about football, we always talk about how grueling of a sport it really is, not even just in games, but in practice as well. Um, and it's sad to see this, like, that it's becoming, like, more coverage. But I think getting back to what we were talking about earlier, these are some of the bigger problems going on in the NCAA and in sport in general. Yeah. Like it's it's just a really sad story all the all around. Uh, the the parents are suing Maryland, good. rightfully so. As they yeah, should. Um, yeah, there's no way anybody in this makes it out. No. Like there's there's no way. And if they do, it's a it, failure on the part they. of. If they do, it's a failure on the part of the NCAA and also Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no way anybody should still be there after, at the end of this. Because that's unbelievably ridiculous. I just find it hard to believe that they care so little. That's what I'm saying. That they don't call an ambulance for an hour. Like, like you can't calls, like, just pl- people you like can't. that are like the closest thing that you have to parents. Like, 
few, like the band directors are like our parents at school. And like, even if they don't love one of the people in the band, they're still, still going to go to bat for them 100% of the time because that's their job. That's what they stand up for. I don't even need them to go to bat for me. I would like just like them to call an ambulance if I start seizing. Yeah. So, like, going back to the, what I was talking about with Urban Meyer, there is no way DJ Durkin can look a player, a player's parents in the face and say, I will take care of your child. Yeah. No. No way whatsoever. I just don't understand. Like, do you – like, I just want to know what they said to that – like, were they – like, do they think he was – I don't know. I'm getting frustrated, like, <laughs> just talking about it. But, yeah, there there was the, – the expose from ESPN was about the culture of uh, abuse, it, I think is the words they use and is the word I would use too. A culture of abuse at Maryland where there would be coaches forcing players to, like, eat candy bars in their weight room to, like, humiliate them. Which is one of like the more psychological things that they would do to him, but it's just not a good look all around um, at the University of Maryland. And like, I don't know how they're supposed to field a football team this year because they need to clear everything out of that work out of that um, out of that organization. So yeah. that's yeah. They they just need to go. Go somewhere. Go go crawl in a hole, or maybe they should go run 110 yard sprints until they die. Jesus, like I just don't understand how someone could not care for someone to just not call an ambulance when somebody is having a heat stroke, or to be that inept. So that was an upbeat 34 minutes of podcasting. (laughs) Um, Let's talk about football. Uh, NFL football. <laughs> it's back. Um, I'm I'm gonna go turn my fan because it's hot in here. So somebody start talking. Um, kind of on a similar line of what we just talked about. I don't know if y'all saw, but Hugh Jackson punished Antonio Callaway for his situation that he got himself in by playing him for the entire preseason game. Which that really that. confuses me. Like. It, like your punishment is, is to is be the on the field. Is, well, first of all, the punishment is to get to play football. But second of all, your punishment is putting the player in danger of being injured. I just don't do know like, what his... Do you, th- do you think Hugh Jackson is a good coach? <sighs> uh, <laughs> the long sigh. I, I don't know. Dude, he's 1-31. This, this this I'll tell you the this answer. Year it's no. Telling. Dude, he's one. I know, like, as if the other two years weren't telling. <laughs> well, I mean, the past two years, what did we have? This year, we have like a you very had one win. roster. That's what you had. I'm this sorry. What have, did you have? This year, we have a roster that can actually win football games. What did you have? You bet you would go to the Super Bowl last year. True, I was a little misguided. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> you're in an awful uh, dangerous echo chamber on Twitter. Yeah, between you and your brother, I can't even... Thankfully, Brandon Wheeler is very supportive of my opinions. Brandon, stop. Stop this. Also, today, when I was doing OA stuff at band camp, Mason Forrest, who's working with the percussion, stopped rehearsal when I was in there and asked for a Browns hot take. So I have supporters. Oh, I didn't know that Mason was working. Good for you, Mason. 
He's uh, helping Nate out with percussion at Bandcamp. That's what's up. Shout out to Mason. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But so anyways. Um, yeah, uh, Browns. Antonio Callaway. Browns, we looked, obviously it's a preseason game, but we looked pretty good. We are 5-0 and in our last five last preseason too. games. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Tyrod was 5-for-5 five five with 100 yards and a touchdown. Baker, I believe, completed nine passes. He had two touchdowns. He made some really good throws. David Njoku had two touchdowns. Antonio Callaway had a really good touchdown. Dez wants to play in Cleveland, and now it looks like we want to have Dez in Cleveland. The only thing that didn't look good was our offensive line depth and our run game looked atrocious. I will say that I don't think the Browns will be the worst team in football. I think that'll go squarely to the Redskins this year. Like <laughs> I not truly saying, believe the Redskins. Not saying that be I haven't team. been optimistic about the Browns in the past, but this year I like actually am very, very optimistic. I mean, y'all can win six games. Yeah, I don't I know if we make the playoffs. If we're, I don't think we're gonna make the playoffs, but we're gonna make a lot of improvement this year. That's and. Fair. If we if we win less than five games, I think Hugh Jackson should be fired. If we win five games, I'll be happy. Now, on, mm. on the other side of things, there was a, a literally a GoFundMe started. Shout out to Garrett for Garrett Reeling for showing me this at Gertling on Twitter, pointing out that somebody started a GoFundMe to cut Paxton Lynch off of the, <laughs> to cut yeah, Paxton I saw Lynch that. off the Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> like immediately after he after he uh, started playing. Yeah. Before we move on, playing. did any of y'all watch Hard Knocks? Yes, I did. That Jarvis Landry speech. Bless him. I am a believer. <laughs> he he. He is going to be a great locker room presence. Um, the thing is that it's not the. I don't know. Like I feel like it takes more than that to fix stuff. I have faith in in Jarvis Landry. I like Jarvis Landry. I like what he's trying to do. But I feel like it's the front office ineptitude that's more the issue in yes, Cleveland. Yes, but John Dorsey is competent. Right. And I'm just saying that that's the that was been the I don't think the whole I don't think the wide receivers or anything were the issue. Like obviously no, y'all have had a lack of talent obviously before. Obviously Jarvis Landry is that type of influence that you want to have in your locker room on an improving team. Also, I love that we have a guy on our team named Brogan, and that he's his only job is stocking the quarterback RV. Also, I feel super a- bad for Hugh Jackson that he was like, my brother and mother died eight days apart from each other, so here's outside zone. Yeah, that was super sad. It was sad, and it's also crazy that that's the culture in sports that you have to be that invested granted for a lot of people doing work does help in those times but being that invested back to sad boy hours is back to sad is a little sad in my opinion but back to happy boy hours blossom and i'm really excited to see the Corey coleman trade in the next episode i think matt ryan finished with one completion and negative two yards uh, for the Falcons, which is funny to me. Obviously, that's not going to be a telling stat line. That makes me very happy. But it still makes me laugh. 
Um, Kevin Seymour sucks. God dang, man. <laughs> Good lord. I mean, I know that he's out there because James Bradbury's hurt. Like, he has a groin injury. But Jesus Christ, man. He is so bad. He got scored on twice in one drive. I've never seen that happen. <laughs> He, how he got scored on on the go route twice in one drive like it's amazing <laughs> now my favorite like my favorite player like i have two good play like actually no i'm not even gonna say because i like dj Moore, but dante action jackson is my favorite player out of this he is fantastic i love him already and he hasn't even played a, like a snap of football like f- like regular season football I think the Panthers have a backup quarterback battle, which is actually kind of interesting to me. Um, Derek Anderson is no longer with the team. So we have uh, Heineke. Taylor Heineke and oh, what's Gilbert's first name? Uh, I want to say Garrett, but I don't think that's right. I don't know. Either way, I honestly, I'm leaning towards Heineke. I think that should something happen to Cam, I think he can do more of more Cam things. I feel like if a play breaks down, Heineke can make something happen with his legs. Um. So I mean, yeah, like positive. Like the kid has wheels. Like segue into like positives. I think with the Panthers, I think we have a really solid rookie class that has a potential to really make an impact their first year. Immediately. Yeah. yeah, DJ Moore is probably the most like he's like I've seen like watching him play and like in training camp. He looks like a really complete wide receiver for a first year guy. Um, with great vision. Yeah. Good lord, he gets the ball and his vision is like a running back. It's yep. great. Dante Jackson just looks like Josh Norman two point except speedy boy. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Jermaine? Um. Jermaine Carter. Jermaine Jr. Carter Jr. off the edge. I think he's an Monster. edge rusher. <laughs> he's an edge rusher, right? Uh, yeah, he was that outside linebacker. Okay. Um, most of the night, but he was getting in the backfield like every play. Yeah, and on top of that, they got. I mean, I think uh, Luke Kuechly has been praising this rookie linebacker class, which includes Andre Smith from UNC. So shout yeah, out we'll to him. See him on special teams a lot. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then you know Elijah Hood is putting up is is. Putting up a good camp, yeah. too. Like, he caught a touchdown pass. And so, you know, with um, Fozzie Whitaker is hurt, right? He tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. So, if we have a spot. Uh, we have four running backs still. Still? You know, I think. Yeah. I, I still think he's worth keeping around. They'll put him on the practice squad. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. Uh. But def- I am def- hesitantly discouraged. Or encouraged. Encouraged. <laughs> I'm still discouraged by how bad our O-line is after all these years, but... Yeah, we, we extended Tyler Larson, but you... You could put him at left guard. He's a solid interior lineman. Um, but, like, do you want to have him behind Ryan Khalil just in case something happens there? Since he is getting up there. I think it's worth the risk of go ahead and throw him at left guard. Um... Because Matt Khalil is the worst thing Good to ever Lord. step on a football field. Not no, don't since Remmers. Don't say that. Don't say <laughs> since, that because since, Mike Remmers. Since will Mike Remmers, you wrong. My favorite yeah, part of Panthers see. games was tweeting out the Dinkelberg meme with with Remmers underneath. <laughs> but that anyway, was the best thing I've ever made. 
that and the <laughs> that and the riverboat Ron gif. I wish I made that. <laughs> I love that. But, gif. Um, that's all I have about the Panthers. I'll be quick about mine because my team was the lone loser of all of us. Uh, Titans lost 31-17 to the Packers. Uh, but honestly, we didn't really play much of our starting core. Uh, Mariota played a couple of series. Uh, Derek Henry and Deion Lewis had a, uh, also played only a couple of series. Um, it was just for us. It was a lot of playing like our camp players to see who was going to be able to step up. Uh, also, this was it's a it was a good barometer, I think, or to test things out because we've completely overhauled our coaching staff, bringing in Coach Rabel, uh, Matt Lafleur from the Rams as our offensive coordinator. Uh, new defensive coordinator and so really figuring out like how the system works play calling and I think it it was just more or less thing for them to get on the same page in terms of scheme uh, David actually tweeted me at midnight and I was too yep. tired to answer the tweet asking about like what the, t- the thoughts were about the Titans uh, look uh, first and foremost a healthy Mariota is going to make everything easier for everybody uh, he did play well in what few series he was in. And so it's it's just important to keep him healthy, and it all goes on to the, our offensive line. When we get Jack Conklin back, uh, we're probably going to have a top-five line. We just need to have players that can be ready to execute overall because uh, our line is absolutely filthy. We have Jack Conklin coming back from injury. We have Taylor Wan, who we signed uh, to the biggest offensive lineman contract. Um, I mean, that's going to be important for Mariota, keeping him safe. Uh, but two, my two biggest worries for us is wide receiver depth, because let me show y'all our uh, current depth chart at wide receiver. We have Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp, Corey Davis, uh, and Delaney Walker. Uh, right now, our best wide receiver is our tight end. And that's worrisome. So, it, we have talented players like Corey Davis. He's our he'll be our second year player, uh, but it's just, Mariota can be good. But we just need a wide receiver court that can actually execute. And we depth at the wide receiver position is something that we're still lacking. I was surprised we didn't make a call to Des Bryant or someone like that because I think he could have fit in our system very well. But luckily, we do have our running back core of Derek Henry and Deion Lewis. I think they're going to do a lot for us. They're going to be the main workhorses on our offensive this year. Again, with our line, they should have a field day on most games. But I'm I'm not discouraged yet. We didn't play a lot of our guy, our main guys like Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan. Most of our secondary didn't play them at all. Uh, so we didn't have our best team out there. So I'm not I worried. Just wanna, I just want to. I just want to know why Derrick Henry is an absolute unit. I don't know, the but I'm, I'm size glad he's of my running lad. back. The size of this lad. Uh, <laughs> his nickname is El Tractorcito. I'm which sorry, means, you, what? Which means little tractor in Spanish. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, around the league, really the only thing that stood out to me um, was that first run from Saquon Barkley. 
Um, yeah, it was like 30, was cool. 36 odd yards or something I like think that. 34. Yeah. And then had like six yards for the rest of the night. Yeah. Unpopular opinion. I think he's going to be a bust. But not his quads. Think, not that I think he's going to be a bad player, but he is being hyped as he has LeBron James level of hype. And no matter how good he is, unless he's the next Barry Sanders, he's going to be a disappointment compared to expectations. I'm not even sure if it's going to be his fault. The Giants have just historically had really great running backs with a lot of talent, but no line to get them through. It's not going to be his fault because he's just been hyped as the greatest running back of all time in the making. They also took him at two. Yeah. Which doesn't help. That also doesn't help. And them not having a good line doesn't help either. But I think he's a very talented running back, and he could be amazing. But the expectations for him are so unbelievably high that I don't see him exceeding them or even living up to them. I think it's time to call an audible. I believe it is. I think so, too. So continuing on our conversation into preseason, uh, a lot of people have a lot of feelings towards preseason play. Is it useless? Is it a really good way of letting talent uh, that might not make a roster prove themselves? Uh, so I think this week we're going to call an audible on preseason play in sports in general. Uh, so what would y'all think uh, is something you would change about preseason play? We could each talk about a specific sport in general. Uh, does anybody have a specific thought? But before we do that, we have a message from our sponsor. Uh, this segment is brought to us by Audible. For you, the listeners who never made Varsity, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I've listened to Rome 1960 by David Moranis, which is a true story about the goings-on of the 1960 Olympics, which is very interesting. A lot of good stuff happening between the United States, um, the USSR, and a lot and pretty much everything else happening around the world just framed around sports. It's a really great book. You, know, you can listen through that. You listen to that through Audible, and you can download it or any other audiobook free by trying audible.com. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash nmvpod. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nmvpod for your free audiobook. All right. Anybody so, have a, one to start it off? If not, I do. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to go on to the NBA because uh, huh. one of the biggest, the biggest conversation I think in the last year or so with the NBA has just been with the amount of NBA games in the regular season, uh, with traveling everything. Uh, some players are already arguing that the regular season in the NBA is too long, it's too tiresome, uh, and less game. There should be less games in the regular season. Uh, so when we go to the preseason basketball. I would probably say the same thing, if not maybe get all the way rid of the preseason of basketball, just because under the same logic, uh, your star players are definitely not going to be playing in the preseason games probably this year uh, with the logic continuing that they do not want to tire themselves out when the game is truly unnecessary. It's just it's preseason. It doesn't count towards anything. There are no stakes involved with it. Uh, And they already have summer league. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. With with Summer League, I really don't see the reason for... 
And I with rosters as small as they are in the NBA, I don't see a reason for the summer league. And I actually, like, I actually enjoy watching the summer league. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's I, even I can be like, come on now. Um, I'll go to football. I, I, yeah, go for it. And I I'll think that the NFL preseason is super dumb. Because, yes, you do need to get reps, but it's very obvious that out of the three major sports, football is by far the most dangerous. And every year, there are a couple big names that their arm or leg fall off or get shredded during preseason play. Case in point, Darius Geis. Darius Geis this year, last year. Who was it last? Well, David Johnson was week one last year. Yeah, the year that before, was like two minutes in. The year before that, Jordy Nelson. The year before that, Kelvin Benjamin. That was There's even training camp. It never fails to happen. Like. There was someone, and obviously training camp is necessary, and injuries do happen during training camp. Yeah. But I feel that in the NFL, you should be doing in any sport league, but especially the NFL, where it's so dangerous and you have guys going down every time you step on the field. You should be doing everything in your power to minimize the potential for injury. And I don't think that the benefit of preseason games is worth that immense risk. I would say push the preseason back one week or two push it back two weeks and take away two preseason games because i think the way rosters are built in the nfl preseason games are kind of necessary to cut rosters um but to kind of balance that i would say increase the roster size by like eight or ten spots i do think that rosters should be increased but what about like Instead of having preseason games, because if the only point is just to just get real reps for the B team to see who's going to be on the roster as opposed to the practice squad mm-hmm. or just being outright cut, why not just do split? Why not just do scrimmages between two teams? Because I think that it's pretty. I don't think that many people would want to see a B game. Isn't that the the same thing as the preseason game? Well, the first quarter of a preseason they game just is make still money a on game. the preseason. I I think that it, in my in my head canon, the way this would work is like the first game would kind of be like the third preseason game where you see more of the starters, and the second preseason game would be more like the fourth preseason game where it's pretty much all people fighting for roster spots. I think that adds stakes to the second game, and it makes people want to watch the the first game. Sort of like if you play in the first game, you're safe, and so it lets everybody know for the next one, like, this is your one to shine sort of thing? Sure. Yeah. Make it a show. Put some pageantry to it. Make it, like, long shot. (laughs) That's the dumbest idea for a show. Yeah, no, that was bad. (laughs) <laughs> like if someone ever tried to do that with a real person i would be so mad for for them i'm passing it to my friend i don't care what you say i don't care what the rules are <laughs> i'm passing it to my friend i just started playing the journey on fifa it's interesting 
it's like long shot, but it's soccer. It's great. Obviously, you guys about... aren't interested in it, but Road to the Show on MLB this year is the best career mode that I've played in any game ever. Because what I hate about career modes in general is, especially on 2Ks, that you have to use VC, but that you choose what stats you increase. So you choose what stats you think are going to make your player best, not based on the way you play. Whereas this year in the show, they're doing increased attributes by, like, if you hit a home run, your power attribute gets a point. If you get a single, so your contact gets a point. So it's based on your performance. So it's tailored to how you play. So they're making it an RPG. Basically. Yeah. But no, that's an RPG mechanic. It's, it's really good in that sense because it makes it more tailored to you than sports games generally are. So, like, I love hitting home runs, and so my guy has become a power hitter. If I liked fielding, he would be a good fielder. But he sucks at fielding. What were you going to say, David? Oh, did we? Like, we were talking about Madden. And, uh, like, did, did we talk about the Colin Kaepernick getting bleeped out thing? I don't believe we did. I don't think so. Oh, we can just mention it briefly. Like, how y'all feel about it? Like, in case anyone that doesn't know. Yes, in, for anyone that the, doesn't know. In, uh, in the soundtrack for Madden 19, yeah. uh, there's a song by Big Sean. I don't remember the exact lyric, but it says the words Colin Kaepernick. And the words Colin Kaepernick are, like, bleeped out like a curse word. And uh, I, EA tried to cover it up saying that it was a, an oversight. But the same thing, like, some people found lyrics in Madden 18 that said Colin Kaepernick, and they were also bleeped out in Madden 18. So it's like, mm, I don't believe you. I don't have many thoughts. Um, it's silly. I, I, I'm, I'm not pressed to have an, <laughs> an opinion much more stringent than that. But do you not find it at least hypocritical? Yeah, I wasn't, but on my... On the other side, I wasn't planning on buying Madden this year anyway. Oh, that's, I haven't that's bought my Madden whole thing. in a minute. I'm probably not going to get Madden. I got plenty of other games to play. Spider-Man that's, Boy. That sweet, sweet Spider-Man game on PS4 September 7th. <laughs> I got Assassin's Creed. I got Red Dead Redemption. I got the new wrestling game. Like, I'm set. I don't know if y'all saw, but in response to the Colin Kaepernick thing, Sports Illustrated posted a video on facebook and probably instagram but i saw it on facebook it was from like madden 16 of colin kaepernick uh running a touchdown but they had the censored thing over his player avatar oh yeah it was really funny that was funny that's funny um i have a hankering to talk some star wars star wars did somebody say star wars yeah, uh, Mavi, I actually probably know more about this show than I do. Honestly, um, every time we talk about Star Wars, we should just call that segment Never Tell Me the Odds. And then just... <laughs> I like it. And then just... That'll just be the Star Wars section of our, uh, our podcast. I'm cool with that. I like when we come up with ideas on the podcast about the podcast. <laughs> this is live show planning. Um, but Mav, do you want to talk about it or do you want me? Go or you can go ahead and introduce the topic. Um, so, on Disney streaming service, which I believe is premiering next year, um, 
one of their originals that they're going to have is a Star Wars live action show uh, cre- uh, produced and I think both directed by oh John Favreau John Favreau um, who did the Jungle Book uh, the live action Jungle Book and is also doing live action Lion King along with like a fabulous resume before that Tony Stark's ballet <laughs> yes um, I ha- it has a hundred million dollar budget for ten episodes yeah Woo. Um, got some Game of Thrones budget right there. Sweet nibbles. I, I have thoughts about this. What's your thoughts? About the budget specifically. Um, I don't like that the budget's that high. I feel like when you give budgets that are that astronomical for a show like this, the creators don't want to take a risk. Because if they take a risk and it doesn't work then that's a lot of sunk costs in that money. Yeah. So I I would have liked to see something with a smaller budget. Something to let John Favreau try something unique, try something not to say that he won't. There's very he very well might this might be like a great adventurous um sort of show, but I am concerned that with the budget being as high as it is that it might be a very safe take on whatever he's doing which is not something i feel like i'd be very interested in personally for me like i've followed uh favreau through his like he's been in a lot of star wars things people fail to realize uh he voiced pre vizsla in the clone wars uh he basically made like through his like acting and story and he was also in the story group for clone wars and so like making Mandalorians very popular. And so I think he, he's very good at storytelling. If there was a person I would give this reins to, I, I, I would, I trust John Favreau in my opinion. Uh, also you have Dave Filoni that's going to be on this project in addition to clone wars. Uh, I, I'm, but I'm a hundred million dollar budget for 10 episodes. That's a lot, especially for something that's not even proven yet. Like game of Thrones worked up to being a hundred dollar, a hundred million dollar budget. Uh, but at the same time, this is Disney. This is the Disney machine. And I, I do trust Favreau. And, and it's it's definitely a time period that can have some very interesting storylines. So this is post-episode 6, like the beginning of the Resistance and the First Order. So you could go into the Battle of Jakku, uh, which explains why those Star Destroyers are in the De- Jakku Desert in Episode 7. You could talk about Ray Sloan, who was one of the biggest uh, Imperial uh, officers at the time of the Empire's fall after the Emperor's death. Uh, you could definitely introduce a lot of characters that have been implied in both the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, but uh, being live action, I think, is really what's going to make it good. And this, I, I definitely think it's perfect to have this on the streaming service because it's going to get pull. There's going to be... there. Are, I, countless Star Wars fans that will buy the streaming service simply to see this show. And I, I think it's a... So they trust themselves to get the viewership and to make the return on investment for this budget. I'm highly considering getting the Disney streaming service regardless. Um, but we'll see. We will see. Am I um, Am I wrong to be 
kind of pissed that I still we still haven't seen the Knights of Ren. <laughs> I, I definitely think they're going to no, be in no, episode you're not nine. Wrong. Hey, but I'm with you. We also have to talk about uh, episode nine has started filming. Yes, it has. When does it come yes, out? It has. A year and a half from now, next Into December. Next year. And you know what? I don't feel like stressed out. I know when the Force Awakens stuff was all announced, and like a, a year and a half before the Force Awakens, I was just chomping at the bit. Now maybe it's different circumstances where it was ten years between the Force Awakens and the last Star Wars movie, but with everything that happened with Episode Eight, I'm okay with it being a year and a half before I see my next Star Wars film. Yeah. Is there no Star Wars film this year? Nope. Oh, that good. will be the next Star Wars film, and they have not announced another Star Wars film. Not even conf- the next anthology. I have a confession to make. I still haven't seen Solo. You're That's fine. fine. Okay. It comes out on DVD, I believe, uh, early September. I believe like the 5th of September. I'm going to buy it. I really enjoyed Solo. I yeah. still have my issues. I would, li- I would like to talk about the Oscars. Go ahead. Um. So did y'all see about the new category they're looking to add to the Oscars? No. Isn't no, essentially I'm, just I'm the most really popular of, movie? I'm really out of touch. I don't follow the Oscars. Right. It's like the movie that's popular, but we don't want to recognize it as Oscar great. So, so like essentially we'll Black there. Panther, take the take there this is Oscar. A, they're looking to add a popular film category to the Oscars um, for the best movie. They haven't put out the requirements for popular film. I would assume it has to do with box office. Yeah, is it straight um, numbers? Like, but I don't. But that's just going to be like the requirements to get nominated. I I would think. And then the Academy would vote from there. Um, I I believe this is a response to a lot of people becoming more distanced from what normally wins best picture um at the oscars yeah because the only one i had heard of before the actual oscar night was ladybird oh the shape of water was so good i i please go see this please find the shape of water somewhere and watch <laughs> that movie because it's fantastic i'm gonna pick up a bootleg somewhere and um, if you have hbo go um three billboards is on there i haven't got a chance to watch it yet but i was planning on watching that soon anyway that's not what we're talking about (laughs) um i believe that this is dumb from the academy tell me how you really feel i think it's condescending to the major production studios i think this is their way of trying to appease the masses by getting Black Panther an, an Oscar because they don't want to nominate it for Best Picture. I think... Well, I don't think there's ever going... If they implement this type of award, I don't think we'll ever see a movie with the type of budget, with the type of box office appeal like Black Panther, like Avengers Infinity War, like Mission Impossible. I don't think that any of those movies will ever even be considered for Best Picture because of what, um, because of this category. I feel like we're going to see what happened with with Beauty and the Beast. That I, th- Beauty and the Beast won Best Picture, correct? Do y'all know? 
Not off the top of my head. Even if it did it when it got nominated, and then a couple years later they add an Oscar for um, Best Animated Feature, and we haven't seen any animated movie come close since then. Uh, people were in an outrage when The Dark Knight was not animated. Was not animated, good lord. It was not nominated. It is 1040 at night. <laughs> it was not nominated for Best Picture back in 2008, and now we have this category for um, popular film, and after this, I don't think we're ever going to see another popular film be nominated for Best Picture, and I think it's dumb, and I think it's not good for the Academy. But that's just me. The Academy is just a bunch of skeletons sitting around a table <laughs> that once a year they activate and <laughs> point to the movie that they think should win. I like that one. Like, yeah. there's a witch in there and all the bones start moving. Like, <laughs> Who is in the Academy? I, I also... Does anyone know? Who is the Academy? It's yes. like they... It's it's people who have won Academy Awards, and then besides that, just like a panel of important people, however they choose to. See, you, there it is. It's they're the they. You, they're just the they. Yeah, a bunch of a bunch of old white dudes in the room voting on voting on movies. Um, but I'm going to speed through the movies I saw this week so we can get to some clear questions and also the stuff that y'all wanted to talk about. Um, Castle Rock, show on Hulu, Hulu original series, um, based around the world of Stephen King. If you like creepy stuff, if you like Stranger Things and you want to get that same sort of feel, watch Castle Rock. Uh, Eighth Grade, a movie from Bo Burnham, who I've been watching since his YouTube days seeing in his room about new math. Um, eighth grade made me go back and make sure all my vlogs from when I was 14 are still privated. You made vlogs? Um, I did make can vlogs. Can you share them? Are... I also made vlogs. No. Can you, You're get, not gonna can you find share them? them, please? No. No. I'm never no, sharing they are, them. They are very private. Then why do you still have um, a mop? Just to remind me to stay humble. Uh, <laughs> so, um... <Damn>. But eighth grade was a a great slice of life about what it was like to be in eighth grade and what it is like to be in eighth grade now. Um, great movie, go see it. Sounds interesting. Uh, the Sinner, uh, movie, a uh, show on USA Today about a woman who kills a dude on the beach and they're trying to figure out why she did it. So it's kind of like a reverse mystery, like you know who's the killer and who they killed, uh, but you're trying to figure out why. A uh, very interesting show, um, but I like it. Also, I watch Marching Quarters, and if you're a marching band, I think you'll like it. Yeah. Coolio. Is it, so, is the whole series Color Guard oriented? A lot of it is Color Guard oriented. They do do some features on the players, um, but like Matt said, a lot of the quote-unquote drama is in Guard in the dance team. Okay. Which, by the way, one of the funniest things, and it still makes me laugh when I think about it, I texted Matt this, is one girl was trying out for the dance team, and she was super nervous <laughs> and throwing up. Like, she had to leave the room to throw up, and one time she j- there was, like, a break, so she just left the room. The second time she had to throw up, she was in the middle of the routine, and she like slowly danced towards the door. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Did she make it? 
Yeah, she made the yeah. door. But it no, was... no, no, no. I'm talking about she make the team. Oh, no. God, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was so funny. So Good funny. Um, yeah, marching orders. Uh, I, I feel like the people that listen to this podcast will like yes. it. So. Let's bust like out these marching band reality TV. Like, basically. It's... Uh, did any of y'all watch... Uh, the DCI finals because I didn't. I didn't. Um, I didn't. Uh, Boston Crusaders won best color guard and everything else went to Santa Clara Vanguard. Yeah. I just wanted to yeah. put something quick in about the DCI show that I went to last week, which is why I missed the pod slash me being bad at scheduling. Um, yeah, it was the first DCI show I, I had ever been to and it was a lot of fun. And yeah, it is a lot obviously of fun. Santa Clara's show was unbelievable, but my favorite was Boston's it was GE City. Like, Boston Crusaders are on the rise. Like, their I'm, show hyped f- up, I'm hyped up for them. It all started with that possessed girl. And fit together better. And there were more moments in that show where I said that was really, really well written than any other, than the rest of the shows that night combined. It was by far the most accessible show out of the ones that I saw and it made a lot of sense and there were a lot of cool moments where they spelled things out that helped progress the story. Um, also, a couple days ago I saw Hamilton. Um, I was lucky enough to get tickets for it in Cleveland. And it I'll be honest, going into it, I was skeptical because it's the most hyped musical ever. But it exceeded the hype. It was really, really good. It was really funny at times. And what also helped is that it was there was a very large amount of energy in the crowd, which made it a very fun experience to watch a show. Did people sing along? People did not sing along. Oh, okay. Beautiful. It was That's perfect. It was so much fun though. It was no, the most fun I I've ever seen in a I'd ever had at a musical. To the Twitters. To the let's Twitter. Let's do it. Um, from... Let's do... Uh, <laughs> Andrews quickly. Uh, top three Star Wars characters ranked. Jar, 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 oh, jar, jar, jar. <laughs> Dylon. 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 Um... Let's see. Okay. Obi-Wan. Like because he's he's great in both okay. the original okay. and the prequel Fair. trilogy. All right. All right, yeah. I was going to ask that question. Um God. Qui-Gon Jinn just because he was the lone bright bright spot <laughs> in um not even in Maul. Phantom Menace. Hmm? Not even Maul's was yeah, good Darth for you. Maul's got to be in my top three. What does he do? He fights. He's just awesome. He doesn't, he doesn't do much. Same with Boba Fett. Like I, uh, he duel of the fate. He he duel of the fates uh, all over the place. Boba Fett um, just got eaten. And then Leia, because of original tr- trilogy and general um, Leia Organa. Those will be my three. Samuel L. Jackson. Not necessarily in that order. Samuel L. Jackson times three. <laughs> Let's see. Not not even Mace Windu. 
Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> hmm. This this is really hard because it's hard to, for me to differentiate like in terms of, like more objectively who's the best and who's my favorite. Because like favorite, uh, number three is probably Darth Maul. By following him in Episode One, The Clone Wars, now in Solo. Spoiler alert. Uh, original trilogy, Obi Wan, Alec Guinness, and then Luke Skywalker. Because Luke Skywalker, it's the Skywalker saga. Let's be honest. If you haven't seen Solo by now, you're probably not going to yeah, see it. Yeah, unless someone is like, "Let's watch Solo tonight." I don't think I'm going to go out of my way to watch it. Um, I don't know. I for you want to go, Aaron? Yeah, go I was going to say my top three are uh, probably actually Darth Maul, Darth Vader, and Palpatine because. Star Wars isn't Star Wars without the villains. I think that the villains are what make Star Wars because those are three really, really, really well done villains. And which one? Well, I, Darth Maul obviously isn't well done, but you can't not like Darth Maul. Well, when you, if for the fan that has watched every bit of canon involving Darth Maul, he is a great character. I'm not, I'm talking more about Vader. <laughs> I feel like Anakin's story is rushed. Yeah. In in the first in Star Wars, A New Hope, Darth Vader is more of just an enforcer and doesn't do much beyond that. There is definitely more to his character in the last two, and he actually like actively does things of his own volition. Yes. But I think okay, it, okay. I'll, he, I'll I'll accept him as a fringe top as a fringe top. Even if he's not well character. done in episode four, in the context of all of Star Wars, just looking at episode four when it happened, he's what made the movie. He was the the scary bad guy. Okay. And then obviously they developed it, it a lot with Palpatine. I, I do think Palpatine's underrated. He's yeah. especially the full storyline with him. He's such a cool character. For for me, I would go. Uh, I would go Obi Wan. At one, just for me. At two, I would cheat because I would have a tie between Luke Skywalker and Yoda. Boo! What do you mean, boo? Cheater. I am a cheater. I'm sorry. So tie between Yoda and, and Luke, because I don't know how any of y'all left Yoda out of there. Y'all are heathens. When I was watching it when I was a kid, like I just never really shut up, heathen. Valued Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and then at three, uh, I feel like I'm the only one that liked Count Dooku, but I don't know if I'd put him top three. Uh, yeah, we can I, was, I was just more like, give me more Grievous. I was gonna say like General Grievous was dope to me. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you see the thing with with uh, Winnie the Pooh? And it says yes. General yeah. Kenobi, and he yeah. like grows forearms. Yeah, <laughs> I, did to you. <laughs> I did see that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to send you that on Twitter. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get somebody to tweet that out. No, I'll go. I'll, I'll go. Uh, 
I'll, I'll go Darth Vader at three. Like Darth Vader? I said Darth, sir. Are you sure? I'm positive. If if put if, it on the poll. Did if he, did he say Darth Vader. If for nothing, for his <laughs> scene in Rogue One. But this is what Funny I'm getting Vader. at. If you if if we start getting a conversation of best of all time, Vader has to be top three because. Uh, he's arguably the most iconic villain of all time. He delivered the most uh, jaw-dropping plot twist of all time. The most he redefined plot twist of all time. The, the, the role of the villain yeah. in archetypal stories. Uh, but it's just come when it's favorites is a it's a different story. It's whether you liked him or not. Would y'all believe me if I told y'all I... my favorite is Maz Kanata? <laughs> <laughs> she's great <laughs> she really is great and Mav I will say I agree with you on all of that but I have such a sour taste in my mouth for Mannequin and that's fine that's, I get that I totally get that which is of no fault of hating Chris Simpson or um, Jake Lloyd um, but yes I understand what you're saying but good lord I hate Anakin Skywalker as a character well, he hates sand, so whatever. <laughs> it's coarse. I said and it that at the beach, and Carla almost pushed me into the ocean. <laughs> anyway, any other Twitter questions? Uh, we do, but I'm tired. Yeah, is there anyone that we could do real fast, real, real like speed round? I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Because the one I have on here is going to make me think, and I don't feel like that's okay right now. If it requires me to use any more brain power than it takes to, like, just word vomit, then <laughs> then it's fine. How are you feeling, Matt and Aaron? I'm great. Either way, <laughs> I'm it's tired. already it's already eleven o'clock. So what's I feel like another been going five for minutes? A long time. We have been going for a long time. Mav's always ready to talk Star Wars for hours. Oh, We've been yeah. going for an hour <laughs> to... oh, It's just I a switch. It's... Just flip the switch. I think it's time to call it quick. I won't stop until somebody tells yeah. me to stop. I think it's time. Uh, David, you want to do the outro? Oh, God, please don't. Don't make me do this. <laughs> I can try it. Luckily, we didn't lose Colby this week. Actually, I don't want to try <laughs> it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It's a tough job. <laughs> All right, y'all. So if you want to find us, you can do that at tinyurl.com. Never made varsity. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Uh, anything you like or didn't like, be sure to let us know via our Twitter at NeverMadePod. Uh, thank you to Audible for sponsoring the show for your 30-day free trial. Go to audibletrial.com. NMVPod. Uh, we'll talk to y'all next week. And thanks to David Adios. for the music. Yeah. Bye. See y'all next week. See ya.